Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Graham McMillan and I open our November door on the day Joe Biden clinched the presidency, and so, unsurprisingly, we'll spend the first 45 minutes of this episode discussing the last week, the last four years, art, satire, comic books, superhero movies, and what might happen to them now. We also talk about the current run of Avengers, written by Jason Aaron, the current run of Batman, written by James Tinian, news and open quote news, close quote, and much, much more. As always, we welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy I thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham. <laughs> McMillan, hello. Hi. So what happened, mm-hmm. I should just let you know, is I had the thing that you have all the time. I was completely ready to take a call and all of a sudden it's like, you've got to update your Skype. Yeah. Yeah. In the maybe 30 seconds that it was updating, that was when you called. Uh, okay. Because it was weird. It was like, wait, where is it? It says, because... Because what was amazing was it said you were online, and then when you, but it also was giving the not online noises when I called. So very strange. But um, yes, good. Well, hello. My goodness, we're connecting on Skype. Yes, we're connecting on the internet to record an audio recording of a conversation for the internet yes. that will be released in in a. A, a capsule form, a pod, if you will, <laughs> and then thrown, cast out there mm, nice. for for our audience of friends, of family, of absolute strangers to listen to. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of calling it a capsule thrown. Oh, I think that's good. I like it. Although it should be, it could be a little snazzier, though. Maybe a cap throw. Yeah, or maybe soul throw. So throw soul. A throw soul. No? Yeah, something I mean, like that's, that. that's good. Yeah, I, I, I think, think you've so. there, yeah, definitely. I do. I, I agree. I agree. And as uh, listeners can tell, we are recording this on probably the stupidest day to record a comic book uh, podcast, I, no, think. I think. This is the, I think this is the best day because, Jeff, mm-hmm. uh, well, first of all, whatnots, we're recording this on Saturday. Um, but, Jeff, maybe it's just me. This is the first day I've not felt crushed by yeah. uh, a horrifying sense of anxiety. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> for, for like the last week or so. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think this is the best day. Otherwise, you would have just had, you would have been like, so what about that issue of Hulk? And I'd be like, fuck knows. <laughs> really? I mean, what's the fucking point? Really? Who the fuck cares? Well, I, I mean, yeah. m- tens of millions of people voted for, you know, a white supremacist and, and someone who was killed hundreds of thousands of people through his own ineptitude and then fucking just you know he fucking goes golfing mm-hmm. and you'd be like yeah but okay but then you know uh what about this and i'd be like really what the <laughs> fuck but no so yeah today's the best day to do it because no otherwise it would have been, been rough jeff would have been rough oh definitely definitely i mean the thing that i think for me is interesting slash challenging is of course on the one hand it's great to talk with you I feel like we have, through the majority of the Trump presidency, 
uh, tried not to be uh, tried to strike a balance as it were like we're not a politics podcast but you know if there's no, times I, I where don't think, mm-hmm. i don't think we've really failed to let people know where our loyalties lie well yeah exactly and so i i it, i think I feel like as someone who spent a lot of time straddling that knife point and not even necessarily sure why per se, other than I'm just in that weird, like, I don't like hurting people's feelings, you know, slash among other things. Uh, It's, it's it's that weird thing where I too have been like, uh, for some reason, I feel like, you know, we're a comic book podcast. We shouldn't, uh, be aggressively like if you supported Trump, then please fuck off forever. Right. But at the same time, right, right, no, no, exactly, right. It's been. But it is. It, it, there is this element, or at least for me, of well, we're a comic book podcast, so we shouldn't, we shouldn't be that in your face, right? No matter how personally in your face we may be of the podcast, right? Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of it. But so for me, it's really challenging to to for to talk on this day and not just be like, well, thank fucking God, you know, like because it, it is was... it is funny. I, I coming yeah. upstairs. I was like, I, I do wonder how much of this is just going to be us being like, well, thank shit. Yeah. Right. And and I mean, there was a lot for me that is a. Uh, I mean, and whatnot, this won't surprise you. Me being super pinko, I'm kind of like, great. I mean, we definitely, like, today has been a huge, tremendous relief. And I think the last couple of days after the first nail-biting 24 hours or so, where it kind of seemed like... Uh, well, by... Tuesday night, Tuesday yeah. night legitimately felt like 2016 over again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, in, in all the bad ways. Yes, no, and uh, definitely for ED2, as, as I know I, I mentioned to you, she was, and in some ways also worse for something that I think you both articulated really well, which is that it was one thing when Trump won in 2016 in, in the sense that he was... Uh, less of a known commodity. You know, there was a lot of people who were like, oh my God, he's going to be the worst ever. And lots of people who are going to be like, well, you know, who knows? And maybe, more... yeah, maybe he'll pivot. We don't really know. Well, and I think there was also something to be said for, uh, uh, there were a lot of articles that came out more after the fact uh, of the 2016 election, where it was like, look, there, there are people who are are desperate for change and he does represent something that is you know atypical to a government structure that appears Mm -hmm. to not be working for a lot of people Mm -hmm. so like i'm like okay that makes a lot more sense four years later it's very hard to believe that a lot of people are better off and (laughs) and so yes it's it's legitimately hard to think there are people who do not know what he's done right you, you know, and I do think that there is, it's easy for, for me to say so, but, you know, like somewhere in the midpoint, like around uh, 20, I want to say it was 2018 or so, uh, Edie and I did a super short trip uh, to New Orleans, which was wonderful. And uh, while we were there, we ended up in a cab 
Um, and the cab driver was kind of talking about essentially the fact that a lot of people were happy with Trump and because he had rolled back, a lot of people were making, had worked in the offshore drilling and his Trump's rollback of the protections meant that a lot of people had jobs now and were happy. And it was, I was like, uh, but dude, it's offshore drilling. There's ways that you can, uh, I mean, I didn't say that. I just kind of sat there going, uh, uh-huh. oh, interesting. Uh, uh-huh. so well, I mean, yeah, cause it's not that. I think we were like, I'm being polite because I don't want to start a fight in a cab that I'm going to get out of. Exactly. Place. You know, and and, uh, and there is something to be said for for people thinking that, you know, that there's that, that there's food on the table and there's being provided their families are being provided for. It seems to me that the majority of us, considering how many people got put out of work because of covid, you know, had really just strained under the weight of the gig economy as ways to make living it all the thing that was very depressing about tuesday night was it seemed very hard not to see that people were giving a mandate to cruelty and xenophobia and yeah, yeah. a lot of terrible I, it, instincts it, you know it really was like how can how can people vote for this right like really we've seen what this is yeah how 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 can this happen and so i know that both you and Edie were pretty um depressed and distraught over that i for whatever reason well for a few reasons but one of those reasons was definitely a lot of marijuana um just kind of (laughs) felt uh, more inured to that i was just kind of like well because at that point i was i was much more worried about the trump loses throws a coup then we're in a nightmare situation where where democracy is like right in its final oh, we, death we can, throes. we can still get there jeff well i mean we can yeah, but it, it's weird it kind of feels like we can't now actually yeah i said that because because I mean, I mean literally we still can Mm-hmm. He's he's got two months, right? He does. He does. Yeah, but but a coup. What a coup works respo- for? What, yeah, is is it's not like seeing the, the response mm-hmm. of of not only America but the world mm-hmm. to to Biden being called today. Mm-hmm. Honestly, makes it feel a little bit harder for Trump to just do whatever the fuck he wants and get away with it. Well, for me, I think fortunately my my worries were really uh, alleviated during that first 24 to 48 hours where essentially people were ignoring his entreaties to stop counting the votes, where, you know, governors and judges and essentially anyone that would be in place to back that to back that kind of coup were just not even something as to me the point when like fox news called arizona for biden you know would was well there's that and but also the fact that so much of the media because we were even though we don't have live tv we found some live channels through roku that so we're watching abc news there was um it felt like the media had really 
learned some lessons from 2016 and were being far less incendiary, much more measured. It felt like they had kind of studied up on things like, you know, so there was the lot of stuff about the red mirage and the idea that the blue wave would be later in coming. And so even in that first batch of hours where things looked dark or dire to me that that darkness had more to do with the idea of like oh it's going to be a close race in the sense of literally tens of millions of people are uh, of of fellow americans are turning out to vote for someone that i find um either un-american or arguably American in the absolute worst sense of the word. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so that those sorts of things aside, I kind of so for me, it was a, a various stage of I was I, I couldn't I literally couldn't imagine Trump legitimately winning, but I was worried about between oh. voter suppression and various other things yes. and a coup. I think you and I yeah. talked about this. Yeah. That, like, if it was a fair election, there was no chance. Right. But it was the neither of us really believed it could be a fair election. That's right. That's right. And you the know, fact and, that and, it's closer and to honestly, that is... Yeah, and, 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 you know, Tuesday... Tuesday really felt like that. But also felt like... How, you know, I still couldn't be like, how has he got that many votes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where, uh, I think it was Wednesday morning, I had this moment of being like, whatever happened to the idea that, like, we knew for a fact that people had access to the, our voting systems? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, no one talked about that after a while. And I was like, how do we know those votes are even real? That's right. Yeah. No one said anything. And I was like, okay, but, you know, there's voter suppression, but also – and I, fe- I felt like I was going insane. I mm-hmm. did. I was like, why has no one said anything about this? This is strange to me. Yeah. No, um, um, that that is something that actually – part of why I did sort of um, uh, tune – what is it? Turn on and drop out uh, had more to do – in a way was like listening to the newscasters because they were like – you know, they had a guy who was like breaking on the board and he would flip buttons and be like, here's results coming in. Very interesting here. And they they would check in with all the correspondents and all the correspondents had a narrative in place about the area and why things were going the way yeah. that they yeah. were. And – and one of the things that struck me was after about literally the ninth or 10th, there was no one was like, well, and, you know, there were heavy duty voter suppression. Like nobody was saying like, yes. And then they drove off all the mailboxes like, you know, it was. And so there was part of me that was kind of like I I to the extent that I had a crappy feeling and, and still do. It's a little bit of the. Um, uh, is I, I and I don't mean to crap on anyone's party. It's wonderful seeing everyone excited and relieved, and literally seeing celebrations across the country and, uh, like you said, across the world. Um, and yet, for me, there's like America still got a shit ton of problems. And and what has been a huge relief to me is people who are kind of like, yes, let's catch our breath, you know, but there's a lot to be done. <laughs> 
And I really, I hope that that ends up being the case, you know, because there's, I mean, as you may know, there were a lot of stories coming out in the first, I don't know, 48 hours where people were like, well, because it's a close election, like, and McConnell won his seats, like Biden is reconsidering some of his cabinet choices to be more in line with McConnell. And I just wanted to tear my eyeballs out, you know? Yeah. Thankfully I didn't see any of that. Oh, well that's like, I, I, I purposefully like, don't get me wrong. I was paying far too much attention to guardians life blog and Mm -hmm. to a bunch of Washington post reporting, but I didn't, I sort of purposely stayed away from a lot of the speculation posts Mm. and a lot of the, well, what if this, because that stuff, like I, I was beginning to just go a little bit nuts. Well, now I'm curious because you are so much more of a junkie, a uh, political junkie than I am. Did you stay up all Tuesday night? Were you up no, until no, like, no. okay. No, uh, I stayed up till like 11, 11.30. Okay. And then, uh, you... and honestly, yeah. there came a point, even on, on Tuesday night where I kind of knew Biden was going to get it. Mm. Uh, but it wasn't, how can I put this? I knew Biden would get to 270. I knew it would take a long time. I didn't think it would take as long as it did. Right. I thought it'd get called by Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also expected Biden to get to 270 and then there to be a really aggressive legal fight. Right. And so basically no one really believed it or mm-hmm. it wasn't real, mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So I didn't think I didn't think for a second that like it was in the bag. Mm-hmm. It was like I said, like just this belief of like, well, of course, he's going to get the votes. Right. It's just that he gets to keep the votes. Right. Right. Yeah. It's true. Um, And then your schedule in the past has been such that Wednesday you don't have quite the same job duties. Did you spend the whole day glued in front of the... Surprisingly not. Well, that's very interesting and very good, let me say. But uh, tell me more about that. Well, uh, like I said, there came a point where I kind of... I didn't switch off at all Mm -hmm. at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of had to step away a bit, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I purposefully stepped away. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I felt very, well, first of all, I slept like shit on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I was, I was anxious still. Right. Like I had a thing. And so I slept, like, I, when I say slept like shit, I mean, I was awake every like hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Wednesday I was exhausted <laughs> right? and didn't really have like the mental fortitude to be like, I'm going to stay on top of this race. Mm-hmm. So I would check in, but I, I would also like purposefully check in and go away, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. check in and then, then, then do something else that was more important. Oh, good. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was kind of my, that was, I was going to say that was kind of my, my modus operandi moving forward, but it, also wasn't because like thursday and friday i was working but also because i'm working i have the guardian live blog open the entire day right in a tap mm-hmm. and i just continually go back and check to check mm-hmm. out it you know? um yeah but like i said i thought it was going to be called thursday mm-hmm. yeah uh, and i also thought the legal challenges would be far more aggressive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because one of the things i think you kind of alluded to this one of the things that happened that was surprising to me is no one like don't get me wrong trump is is like i think we've got like five lawsuits out there mm-hmm. but no one's taking them seriously that's right do you know what i mean like i'm surprised to see 
that no one seems to really be getting on board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that. I, I fully expected it to be more of a, a, a mudslinging match, more of like really getting dirty and, and, and horrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knock on wood, we'll see exactly what happens. But it didn't go that way, or at least it didn't go that way as quickly as I expected it to. Yeah. Uh, and instead what we had was it was just so much slower. Yes. You know, yeah. it was so slow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all that everyone was was complaining online, and then you had the counter complaints of you knew it was going to take days. I don't think anyone really thought it was going to take as long as it took. Yeah, especially especially the way it was left on Tuesday night, where it was like there's five states left to call. Mm-hmm. So the idea that those five states would then take four days to do it mm-hmm. really did seem surprising. Yeah, yeah it it was surprising, but it also for me was. A, a little bit of a relief, not the not sort of the true relief that I've sort of felt today, but certainly because it because it 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 seemed like there was it seemed like less of res, of a result of fuckery and more of a result of consciousness, or at least in some cases where it turned out to be fuckery, it was the fuckery of you know Trump's people had prevented anyone from counting the mail-in ballots that had come in early. So, you yeah. know. And, and also, one of the things that's been nice, especially today, mm-hmm. has been seeing the ways in which the Trump campaign has gotten in its own way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, one of the things that apparently is driving Trump mad is that there aren't more mail-in ballots for him. Mm. So as the mail-in ballots are counted, his lead goes down and in the end, like in a few states, literally flips. Yeah. It's been like, why were more people not voting for mail by me? And it's like, it's your own fucking fault. You've just spent six months telling people not to vote by mail. That's right. Like, you literally did this yourself. Or the the Four Seasons thing today, which is just utterly beautiful. Yeah. That is amazing. I saw that about 20 minutes. You should, if you don't mind, summarize that for the whatnots, because that's extraordinary to me. So this morning, uh, fairly early on, uh, Trump puts out a tweet saying that there's going to be a press conference at the Four Seasons Hotel in Pennsylvania, and then deletes that tweet uh, and reposts with by saying it's actually going to be at Four Seasons Total Landscaping. If that sounds strange, it's because it is. Four Seasons Total Landscaping turns out to be, as the name suggests, a landscaping company, which is right next to, uh, God, what was it called? It, it was a porn store, anyway. There's <laughs> no Fantasy Island, that's what it was called. Fantasy Island, and across the road from a crematorium or something like that. Right? Um, and sure enough, like at 11.30 Eastern, uh, Rudy Giuliani goes out and does this press conference about how the 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 you know the the election's being stolen um and he's outside a landscaping company remember that's <laughs> um, that's like a like you know a, a porn store it's um, amazing and he does he does the thing and i don't know if you've seen the video but midway through he gets asked well how can you say this when the election's just been called for joe biden and he's like what network did that and you hear multiple people being like all the networks <laughs> Sticks both his hands in the air and goes, all the networks, all the networks. (laughs) But apparently what happened is they thought they were booking the Four Seasons Hotel. Yeah. 
And then they realized too late that they weren't. But they just went with it anyway. Because someone from the campaign called this landscaping company, having looked up Four Seasons, and said, "Uh, you're close to the I-95. Are you a secure location? And the person was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Which is, I mean, insane. Genuinely insane. But also beautifully like it's hilarious it's the the perfect uh sort of encapsulation of of the people who have been in charge yeah of the country for the last four years yeah it is stunning isn't it i mean it's just amazing i mm -hmm. mean it's genuinely amazing and honestly i i love it and that's you know that's been been amazing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah definitely that that when i read that i it it seemed like so like something out of Spinal Tap or, or I mean, it might as well be like uh, the the credit sequence for Borat 2, you know, like it, it was it's just I, I literally could not tell if I was being hoaxed on the Internet because it, it just it seemed so really unreal. It felt like people were making it up, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, it really it, did. So, I mean, it's genuinely amazing. Yeah, that a a real presidential campaign that made it all the way to the general election could not tell the difference between the Four Seasons Hotel and Four Seasons Total Landscaping, and then upon realizing the mistake, went ahead with it anyway. Well, so I mean, that's fucking fantasy island and yes, a crematorium. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, well, I mean, for me, and I, I could be completely wrong about this, this is the campaign that leading up to it, you know, was doing such horrible shit as, um, you know, bussing people out to rallies, but then not paying for their buses, the bus yes. to get yeah, people that's a, back. That, yeah, that's been amazing. That was the last couple of weeks, right? Right. Where they, were, they, were, they would do campaign rallies at like midnight mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere and then just not take people home. No. And so people who attended the campaign rallies would have to go to the emergency room with hypothermia. Yeah, right? I mean, that to me is uh, just so revelatory oh, like, in its... Yesterday, Mark Meadows, despite his chief of staff, tested positive for COVID. Yes, Yesterday, yeah, 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 but uh, uh, but but the Mark Meadows, of course, just seems so right. So what we're seeing is um, ineptitude and and of course just genuine cheapness. I honestly think that you know it would not surprise me if they called the Four Seasons Hotel after realizing their mistake, and once that they were once they were told that they would have to pay. You know, they were kind of like, eh, you know what? Let's go back and do it at the other four seasons. They'll be happy to, <laughs> they'll be happy they'll to be do fine. it. For, you know, it won't cost us a thing. It's right off the interstate and, and it makes us look like quirky underdogs, you know? And, and, and but the best thing is, so, so you've got to like, I, you've watched the video, Jeff, if nothing else, but hopefully you can put at least part of the video in the, the show notes mm-hmm. because Rudy Giuliani is literally standing behind, like standing underneath one of those like electrical signals <laughs> it's just it it is such the puppet show plus spinal tap moment it's just amazing to me it is it was just shocking and like i said 
perfect and and utterly surreal at the same time. There have been many, many times in the last four years, especially many times in this last year alone, mm-hmm. where you have the moment of like, this can't be real. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This, this is too like fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the idea that the race was actually called while Rudy Giuliani was in front of a landscaping company... <laughs> claiming that the race was like he even said something like you know it's definitely not over like trump's last tweet before the race was called was about how he had won the election yeah like all of that is just it's i don't know i was i was thinking earlier today when when trump won there were the uh i don't know whether to call them optimists or idiots let's go with idiots who basically said well just think of the amazing art that's going to be produced over over the next four years. <laughs> and I'm sure if you can make an argument for that. But I do think the last four years, in a really strange way, will have utterly changed the way that people approach satire now. Because so much of the last four years has been utterly surreal in a way that felt like bad satire. You know, uh, I wish that were true. I wish that were true. You um, wish it was true that it will change the way people approach satire? Yeah. Or do you not think it's been that like weirdly broad and surreal and, and strange? No, I, I feel that the last four years showed how underprepared and anemic most of our arts have gotten in terms of being able to respond or reply to things like re- as reality grew more and more insane. I mean, so let's put it this way. I would say that there is a way in which uh, uh, coming up on 2016 and then moving past it, I feel the classic social media, to the extent that you're right, no one will ever say, like, this is straight out of an onion headline, you know? Like, I just oh, don't yeah. think well, that. Yeah, well, yeah. We, want, we so overshot that mark. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, in a sense, what's next, because as far as I can tell, you know, and it's it's probably hard to. to um, properly measure signs of life when you're looking at a 30 year old ossified corpse, but looking at how much Saturday night live seemed to play a role in constantly talking about politics and having nothing to say, like, you, you know, I think one of the things that is really alarming is the way in which when Saturday Night Live first came on the air and there was a lot of making fun of dudes like Nixon and Ford, there there was a little bit of an irreverence of like, these people are buffoons. Um, and that seemed really like alarming and enlightening and mind-blowing for a lot of people because they were raised to have such respect for authority and then you know but it also seemed like it was doing it was serving good ends because it helped put the 
put to the lie the idea that Nixon was, you know, knew that he was doing or that he had any kind of authority to, you know, that his the authority that we granted him was well, completely it, it was arbitrary. Emperor's, yeah, it was Emperor's, it was Emperor's, Emperor's New, New Clothes. Clothes right. right. But I feel like as time got up, went on and there were um, fewer and fewer middle class uh, kids being killed, um, you know, the idea of authority figures being buffoons is such a standard trope that that I almost feel like there was such a strong element for 2016 to 2019 that was kind of like, oh, yeah, we're we're totally sticking it to President Trump by these clever memes. You know what I mean? Like Alec, Alec Baldwin's imitation of Trump is not really anything like it was it wasn't satire. It was a it was a palliative. It felt like for me, it was a way. Sure of us being kind of the this the same way that there is kind of um you know when you've got dictators in in foreign countries and everyone you know makes fun of that person for being you know a boob but of course if it's a true authoritarian regime they then get shot for it but you know like kind of where we were on that scale, like seemed to fall really heavily on the, no guys, it's okay. Like president Trump is such an idiot, but like, I don't really remember seeing a lot of shit of, of, you know, like, Oh, here comes our big spoof or satire of, of children in cages, you know, on Saturday night live. And yeah, but, but like even beyond Saturday night live, you like, you had a lot of, uh, and I wasn't I, – I should say like when I mentioned the idea of like art coming up in this and mm-hmm. we'll produce great art and we didn't. Like I was going right. beyond satire. Yeah, right. No, um, and I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But like I think I, – I think that everything – like I, I, I do think that everything that's happened, not everything. I think that so many things that have happened in the last four years have been beyond the the – I don't want to say beyond people's imagination because that's not true, but beyond what the audience would have ex- accepted, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Whether it is the ridiculousness of Four Seasons, you know, mm-hmm. landscape, or our kids in cages, to be honest. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. There are things, like I keep coming back to, and I think I said it to you, I can't remember if I said it to you on the podcast or if I just said it to you like on a call, but the the Years and Years show, HBO's Years and Years, or BBC's Years and Years, right? Um, where... It's it's the conceit of the show is like we they keep going forward in 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 this narrative mm-hmm. and they go into quote unquote our future and things just progressively get worse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and by this point in 2020 it feels like the worst case scenarios that years and years came up with still feel better than where we actually are yes yeah you did say you know that what I mean like mm-hmm. I, I I feel like it it. I feel like at some point reality has shown that the things that we were willing to accept as likely or likely enough in enough of a way to make us laugh. Right. We were underselling it consistently. Well, I I mean, and so like we have to, have to do that differently moving forward. Well, I, you know, and, and 
again, it it seems unfair to to talk about just the moribund corpse that is that is SNL, but like Avenue Five, which you saw uh, and I saw and I adored. Um, there's is there is a scene that as far that I it still breaks my heart was not a meme for every day of the coronavirus because there is that amazing sequence. Uh, for those who don't know, Avenue Avenue Five is a science fiction comedy uh, that is currently on HBO and HBO Max created by Armando Iannucci, who's done Thick of It and Veep. And it is a relatively insane mix of Space 1999, The Love Boat, and, um, you know, it, it's a Veep or The Thick of It in that it is very much about people downplaying disaster um and and the scene in which a bunch of people essentially more or less get convinced that they are in a um reality show set and they're not actually in space and begin letting themselves be fired out of the airlock and after the first set of people like drift out into space freeze and explode you're like, okay, well, that'll be the end of it. And people just keep goading themselves into believing that what's happening is not happening to them. And there's something like five or six waves of people literally shoot themselves out into space. It's an, it's an amazing sequence. I loved it. It was hilarious and ghastly at the time. And I swear to God, it breaks my heart that it was not the meme and and still isn't the meme for for watching how coronavirus was being handled in the United States. Like they came up with something that was so insane and over the top. And and like you said, it kind of actually felt a little bit um, understated because you know at least in the show, people eventually got the hint and stopped doing it as opposed to continuing to do it day after day after day after day to the point where Trump's fucking chief of staff and a whole bunch of people have it again after after everyone else already got it because they're still being idiots about it, you know? Yeah, it's. It, I mean, this is like, what, wave three of people in the White House? Yeah, right? Yeah, but, it's, it's genuinely shocking. Yeah. It's genuinely shocking. Yeah. Um, no, but it, like, I do think that reality has consistently gone you weren't you know, like you you weren't trying hard enough right no it's i i mean i think years. you're i think you're right about that but i don't i think oof what do i think i think that there is going to and who knows i think there's going to be a weird schism like to the extent that pop culture you know gets back on its feet again um post-trump and also post-covid like, i was gonna say like there's there's multiple things that are going to ideally alter pop culture i mean yeah we'll see right right i so i think i think what we're going to do is end up in like a real thick streak of comforting pleasant reassuring art like even more so and like maybe a real cutting away from 
the more extreme blah blah blahs and then meanwhile there's going to be i don't know i i it's either going to be transgressiveness or sorry i'm almost done or i i can see basically a lot of strident didactic political art making a comeback you know um this sort of stuff that was kind of big in the 30s and 40s um anyway so yes you were going to say I was going to say I'm, I'm worried that we're going to see – honestly, just the opposite of what you're talking about. I'm worried that we're going to see uh, – uh, for want of a better way of putting it, people who have felt uh, impotently uh, self-righteous mm-hmm. in the last few years make art that is like, well, everything's back to normal. Hmm. You know, and then that's that that concerns me. I'm very worried that we are going to see lots of people that are just like, well, okay then. I I think there is going to be a I think there's going to be a lot of that. I think there's going to be a lot, like there's going to be a lot of comfort food art. But what that comfort food is, like, part of me is like, yeah, I think I think we might see a real resurgence in like the traditional sitcom, you know. But I don't know. Like, I'm part of me is kind of curious. Like, I can't. There's part of me, and I'm sure I'm wrong, where I'm like, Marvel Studios. This may this if they don't figure out a way to pivot, this just may be done for them. Like, I just don't see how. I mean, by the time you get to the end of Avengers Endgame, like, there's. All of the, the, it's like the last little bit of, of nine 11 squirty juice has been <laughs> squozen from the stone. So <laughs> I don't think they could have really gone anywhere else with that anyway. But I do think that post COVID it seems it's going to be really weird. Right. Yeah. Like, like how, how far can Marvel uh, studios in particular push the like military industrial fetishism yes right right like realistically that that feels like it's going to be something they'd have to pivot from i say that but like the next film's fucking black widow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you know so so who knows maybe they're just going to double down on it they might because i do think one of the things that's throws things off and and maybe this will work is the marvel cinematic universe never like there was always a stronger focus on the military industrial complex and less about the police you know what i mean like it's always government agents and government this and that oh, yeah like so it's always shields and like yeah able shield and somehow this basically still shields yeah right you know so so i don't so i think that it's going to to be a it might be it might, they might be able to dodge and people will make that split but personally i mean that's the other like, thing well, how do you do shields in an era of defund the police right right exactly exactly how do you how do you do a thing in which it's like superheroes fighting for the government when you know most of us can look on social media and see the new york the nypd just running just literally rioting the first couple of nights after that election. I mean, it's separate and apart from everything that they've done this year, just egregious running through the streets and beating people 
you know, that where it's like, I don't even think there were protests. It was just running into crowds and starting to smack people around, you know, like at that stage, like, I feel like all of that is kind of the rich loam that normally we would see our pop culture arise from. But I don't think that we, A, I don't know how we're going, how that would necessarily happen. And B, it really seems at odds with Marvel Studios kind of weird, I mean, kind of, kind of very modern Trumpian kind of thing of like, you know, hand jobs to the military industrial complex while also completely being distrustful of big government. You know what I mean? Like that weird sort of split thinking that, that powered so many Marvel movies. Um, I just don't, I just think if nothing else, everything is, you know, backwards and upside down now. And those puzzle pieces aren't going to fit the same way, but yeah, I, I wonder how long that's going to take to trickle down. Yeah. Because, you know, not only does Marvel and for that matter, all the movies like take a long time to get made, mm -hmm. but like Black Widow was supposed to come out six months ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we are we are basically going to be running a year late on the Marvel releases for a while. Mm -hmm. And so how much of what we're going to be seeing is just going to feel very out of sync or for that matter, how much is going to feel like weirdly uh, prescient? Right. In, in ways that it that wasn't intended. Mm -hmm. The one thing I think about is, and I'm maybe the only person who who puts these two things together in my mind. When the last issue of Final Crisis came out, mm. uh, I remember coming out just after Obama being elected, mm -hmm. uh, and I remember the scene of uh, the, uh, the the um, what's his name, President Calvin, mm -hmm. the Black Superman, yeah, uh, in the opening pages feeling like it was in conversation with Obama's election, mm -hmm. you know, and, and feeling like it, it had uh, a weight that it wouldn't have had, had the election gone the other way. Right. Whereas, uh, and the flip side of this, I hope you're going to mention is of course the whole um, Norman Osborn more yes, or less. That's what I was say. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Marvel was going into dark rain at the time, mm -hmm. which was very much doubling down on, well, bad guys have taken over the government. Yeah. And you can't trust the authorities. And it's time for insurrection. Mm -hmm. And that happened. And again, I, I, I'm not ascribing the motives to the people doing the comics, but it basically coincided with like the rise of the Tea Party. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was the weirdest fucking thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where, where, you know, you had... On the one hand, Final Crisis just being very Morrisonian, right? Right. Being very superheroes will save us because they're the best idea and you fight bad ideas with good ideas and the idea of a good man will save us. Mm -hmm. Versus Marvel being like, the system's corrupt and it's everyone on their own and everyone for themselves. Right. And you can't trust anything other than the people you love. Duh. Um, and it, it's, you know, is Marvel Studios about to have its own Dark Reign period? You know, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the weird thing is, is that I, you know, it's not sort of in the same way that 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 we saw, um, you know, Lex Luthor sort of recreated post-Trump in, in Burn-era Superman and then becoming the president 
you know, at the beginning exactly, of like 16 years before Trump becomes president. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so there's kind of a thing of like, sometimes this stuff ends up being just out of sync, but not, but not necessarily quote unquote wrong, just, just yeah. in the wrong time. You know, it's like, that's why you can turn and look at it and kind of like your description of dark rain is I'm like, you know, well, they're not wrong. You know, like it's not. You definitely you're saw like, a lot like, of it's people. Not wrong. It was. It was just eight years too early. Yeah. Right. So you know, and they just. So I don't. Oh, I but don't... that's just it. Like, like what? What's Dark Rain like if we were here now? And you know, right. All of a sudden, we're in, in a hammer because that's what it was called, right? Mm-hmm. That's what the mm-hmm. Norman, Norman Osborn's thing was called. His replacement of shields was not called hammer. Yeah, it was. Um, and like, but you read hammer, and hammer is like ice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's going to be the strangest thing. It's got it's it's all of that stuff is weird. I I'm going to okay. I'm going to link this to comics for a change. Like that sounds I, exciting. I, mm-hmm. I'm contemporary comics. Yes, because I'm and I'm going to ask you about a comic I know you read. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Aaron's Avengers. <laughs> yes, uh, is like they they had their their big issue this this week, mm-hmm. um, which I I. Have you read? I have, yes, yeah. Um, the one that they trailed is like, you know, the history of the Marvel Universe. Is, I'd like see the past, present, and future of the Marvel Universe. And the the reveal, the, the retcon that wasn't really a retcon, mm-hmm. is Mephisto's basically been behind everything. Mephisto is, like, they're playing up the Mephisto as Satan thing. Yes, yeah. Mephisto has been whispering in the ears of the bad guys all along. Mm-hmm. And Mephisto is, is behind the bad shit. Um. And there's something about that which simultaneously feels uh, very comic booky, mm-hmm. because it's like you know it's the fake devil, and the reason bad guys are bad is because of the fake devil. Mm-hmm. Like there is something very comic booky, and not in a pejorative term uh, about that. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can imagine writers from you know like fucking Gardner Fox, Bob Haney. Morrison. Oh yeah. I mean, it was even back in the golden age, you know, yeah, it seemed I, like one out of every five stories, the devil would literally show up and tell also, the bad guys to do things, you know. But also like in an Engelhartian sense, mm-hmm. the idea like it's been the one guy who's been behind all these different threats ultimately. Right. Now he stopped fucking around. Right. Like feels very traditionally comic booky. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it feels like Aaron is uh, not trying to speak to what's been happening in the real world, mm-hmm. but in a weird way, it kind of does, mm-hmm. right? It's a corrupting force who is using the wheels of power to his own benefit. And the people he is doing it to are only just beginning to realize and are also realizing basically how fucked they are. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, this came out this week. <laughs> yes, and, you know this is the week that, as we're as we're recording, has people dancing in the fucking streets and giving near mythical rationale to there being a fucking rainbow, as if God Himself right. is going. Good job with that election, Americans. Like I, the number of people in different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. We've been like rainbows. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah. yeah, but again, like you know, so you have Mephisto like making his big move, even though like you know, I feel like Aaron's 
Avengers has had Mephisto making quote unquote his big move like three times now, mm-hmm. but like this is his biggest move, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, where in theory people are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. like is it one of those things that is just art takes time, and by the time this is going to work its way through, like the 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 zeitgeist is going to be somewhere else, or like uh, is this is this just a case of bad timing? Is this the case again of being prescient and that there's there's a, a a further message that we have not like you know we haven't lived through yet mm-hmm. that we're not seeing yet? Mm-hmm. Like it's a weird thing. It, it feels either slightly bad timing mm-hmm. or bad judgment to have a the devil is make, planning to make his big move in the same week where this election happened. Well. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny because for me, I mean, on the one hand, I'm super it it does it does help that Aaron, like you said, it's it's super it's very, very comic booky. There there's been parts in Aaron's run that he's hinted at where essentially the Squadron Supreme have moved in as America's heroes and they're working under a resurrected Phil Coulson who is directly a tool of Mephisto. So Aaron moves, moved very briefly in and then kind of briefly backed out to this idea that the Avengers are going to be supplanted by America's heroes and that America, you know, and that that's a capital A America and that those guys are you know, essentially tools of the devil. I think that that aside, like I read that it's on the latest issue of Avengers Wednesday morning after, well, or maybe Wednesday afternoon after ridiculous amounts of, you know, just dread, you know, coursing through my system. And I, a, I didn't really necessarily make, any sorts of connections in part because it was super frivolous, but also well, in part because it is so comic booky, right? Right. It is so comic booky, but I also think that, um, I think what I worry about, and again, it's too soon to really tell, but the number of people on my timeline that were, not really the people I follow, but basically retweeting people who are kind of like, this is a literal revolution kind of thing. And it's sort of oh, like, God. you yeah. know, it's right. Not. And it's not, yeah, it's, it's not It's an election result that is better than the opposite, than the alternative. Right. But, you know, at best, this is the start of something that could end up going well. Right. Right. This is the start of something that could end up going well, but we'll actually need a, a lot of work. A lot of work. You know, like I'm really remember and I, I, I looked at it askance, but I didn't really look at it with the sort of head slapping disgust it deserved where people were talking about back in 2008 because Obama had won, racism was over in America, you know, right? And I mean, that was, that was a take that was given a lot of air you know, and there was a lot, I mean, for me personally, and I, and, you know, I, I don't want to be completely 
uh, embarrassing about it, but it's someone who literally wept with relief when Barack Obama won and then saw him win the, the Nobel Peace Prize and then essentially see all the things that he did not do see all the things that he could have done that he didn't for various reasons the the to see him become and be um a neoliberal president which meant that we were still we were doing drone strikes on on you know innocent people just because they were in dangerous areas and this man that I had cheered when he won, like, you know, was literally talking about how the definitions of, you know, essentially by being in a suspicious zone, you were no longer innocent. You were suspicious. And therefore, if you died by drone strike, like what I what I really hope is that we take out from this lesson and America is never happy to do this um, generally is if we can just use this as a way to keep moving forward and not basically shove everything back in the closet, slam the door closed and be like, see, everything's great, you know? And in that sense, there's part of me because uh, one of the things going on in the Avengers issue is the idea that Mephisto, among other things, has um, offered wealth and power to various families um, and then more or less like used the members of those families like Every, it's not just one person. It's the entire family line is essentially sold. Their souls belong yeah. to Mephisto. And that is clearly going to be the case for Tony Stark. Like Howard Stark is Mephisto's henchman and Tony himself uh, uh, evinces behavior, particularly in the latest issue of the Avengers and building up to that suggests that, you know, essentially he is tainted and corrupt, right? Yeah, and, I, I, yeah, I, I have, I have feelings about that plot, but yeah. Well, of course. I mean, well, first no, off. I, I have feelings, yeah. I have feelings about how poorly it could go mm -hmm. and their get out clause. And I'm, I'm already very anxious about it. Okay. Uh, do you want to tell me about that or no? I'd love to hear uh, it. Because Tony's adopted. Yes, right. And I, I literally think they're going to get the have a get out clause. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that might be as well, but we'll see. And, and I really don't like that. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's a cheap get out clause, and I think it's kind of an ugly one if they mm -hmm. if they use it. Mm -hmm. I think if they go, well, he's not actually his blood relative, mm -hmm. so therefore he can escape the curse slash corruption. Is is sort of underscoring like the really ugly adopted kids aren't really kids thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i like i like i'm preemptively you know oh no don't do that yeah we'll see i don't i'm not sure with aaron frankly like you said that's a get out clause i he may or may not pay things off slightly better but at least my take upon reading that issue was that there was a little more of the 
um, that that kind that kind of that there there is a that I think it, his idea that the corruption runs deep um, is something that depending on what the American zeitgeist wants to be, I suppose will either be really out of touch or not a bad first step. You know what I mean? So I, I, I should say, I don't actually read the, the thing as the corruption continues in the family line. Mm-hmm. I read it as the person who makes the deal makes the deal and gets the benefits and the family continues to be responsible for the deal. Right. I can, reap the rewards but not necessarily that they are they are they are corrupt or they they have any moral uh thing for that Mm. that 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 could be uh, um i think uh, that would make sense i think that there's a lot to be said for the that aaron is telling a story that's centered around tony stark's dad issues and that this is going to be a way to burn through it. And also to kind of have a, like, ooh, what's scarier than, you know, than than having, you know, than this hero, this hero's dad who he looks up to, you know? And it also, to be honest, and I might be, you know, imagining this, it feels like a, a, a ready-made crossover structure. Mm-hmm. It feels like uh, Blackest Night from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dead characters, you know, Dead characters or loved ones of characters um, can come back to life mm-hmm. as part of, you know, a previously unseen deal with the devil. Right. And now they're evil. And, and now they're evil. With the character. Right, right. It's yeah. a good pre-made moral quandary. Or it might be something, I think, a little sort of the way, again, because I feel like so many people cop their moves, um, you know, it, in the way that Doctor Hurts, like, it, it is Bat, is he Batman's dad or is yeah, he the yeah. devil? You know, is very much something that I can see Aaron being like, oh yeah, we we can go somewhere with that. I, I completely forgot about that. That's I should reread that. I should reread Morrison's Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, know what you mean. I, I haven't read it in a long time, and honestly, I didn't make the I didn't make the Simon Hurt Mephisto connection. I. I Okay, so you – we've been through this before. You like uh, Aaron's Avengers much more than I do. Yes. I, I – I, um, so I I can't remember when I caught up. Was it maybe like three or four months ago mm. that I caught up and you and I had the thing where you're like, it's Mike, like Morrison's JLA. And I was like, it's fucking not. <laughs> like I feel like that was three or four months ago. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so I dropped off. But then Marvel Unlimited, of course, like, you know, we're like, oh, three months. Boom. So I've been catching up. Uh and I like it more, question mark, now, or I appreciate it more. I'm not sure I necessarily like it, but I feel like I appreciate what they're doing more. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's I, – I, I like it in theory much more than I like it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And, and part of that is I, I'm not particularly interested in, like, Ghost Rider. And mm-hmm. honestly, or in, in Namor. Or, you know what I mean? Like, right. I can appreciate what he's doing. And yet the characters he's using and the mythology he's playing with leaves me cold. Mm. It really does. Right. Um, whereas for you, it's like, you know, Ghost Rider, he could not do a more Jeff Lester book. Yeah, completely. I mean, there was a whole arc that was literally just Moon Knight and Khonshu, like, essentially kicking everyone's ass. Like, that was the, the whole thing in a way that sort of seemed kind of realistic, uh, 
quote unquote for uh like oh yeah here's how this one character manages to beat all the avengers kind of thing mm-hmm. um, well, that, so yeah. yeah so i read I, sh- I should say like i caught up and i'm like oh this this is this is uh this is something i can appreciate mm-hmm. if again not necessarily like but i read i did that because i read 37 first mm. um i got an early copy of 37 for marvel because they were like they were promoting as like this is the big one, you know. Oh, is it? Thir- Why did I think it was thirty eight? But yeah, maybe it's, maybe yeah. it is thirty. Okay. Anyway, but yes, the current issue essentially. The current the issue, this yeah. week's issue, right? Um, and so I kind of went into it relatively cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the I'm not. I really do not know what to make of this fucking book, Jeff. Yeah. 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 I, I just don't. There are bits that seem, for example, in the latest issue, the Moon Knight. Uh, Black Panther conversation mm-hmm. felt really clunky in like an old school Marvel way. Yes, very much. You so know well. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a like, okay, you individual hero should join the Avengers, and here's why. Thanks, brother, but I I am a solo guy. Right, leaps away. I, it just felt like weirdly artificial in a not fun way. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mephisto stuff. Is super strange to me. Mm-hmm. It's super strange to me. Um, in a way that, again, I can appreciate it, but I don't think I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if only because the Marvel Universe does not need another fucking retcon as to who's behind everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's had like seven million. Mm-hmm. And while I can appreciate the it's the devil mm-hmm. retcon, and I like, I think if you are going to do it, there's one person behind all the bad stuff. Going as as blatant as it's the devil, sure, one hundred percent go there. I I think that's the last place you can go. Mm-hmm. But um, but also there's something about it, like it being Mephisto, which again I appreciate, and you find far too fucking cute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like just fucking say it's the devil. <laughs> like that, it's Mephisto feels weirdly. I don't know. It 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 rubs me up the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But but as the person who digs this comic what am i missing what am i wrong about uh you know i don't i i mean i think it just might be because i mean i like it it's still not my favorite i mean you gotta for example i mean hopefully this isn't just me flinging around qualifiers although it probably is but as you know like like if you were kind of like, oh, I'm on the fence about Immortal Hulk. What am I missing? I think it would be a lot easier for me to, or even make the case that like, oh, you should really like it. You know, it's kind of funny that we're having the, um, that I'm sort of like, you're like, okay, so tell me about Jason Aaron's adventures. Why do you like it? And I'm like, man, the last time I, I said I, that, I, I was I like, even mean, I don't even mean like, why do you like it? As much as I mean, like, is the Mephisto stuff too cute, or is it me? Do you uh, know what I mean? Because like, I completely understand if I remove my disinterest in Ghost Rider, this would be a great comic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I dug Ghost Rider, this would be a great comic. Right. If I dug Moon Knight, this would be a great comic. Mm-hmm. Right? And and in, in using, for want of a better way of putting it, minor Marvel characters and giving them the promotion of the Avengers, it's very traditionally Avengers. Right. 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 Well, so I right. get that, but it's more like, is it too cute to go? Well, we're having character in the traditional, actual satanic role, but it's not Satan; it's Mephisto. Like, am I just being? 
like overly bristly by being like, why can't you just fucking have it be Satan? Well, I think that particular point is a little bristly. Yeah, I think like cause you it, know, I'm well aware that it's ridiculous because like Mephisto was literally created to be Satan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, right? But it's there's something about it. It's just like it feels. Uh, and the, I, ironically, again, this might be thematically consistent with Aaron, but it's one of those things where it's like using the Squadron Supreme instead of using the Justice League. Right, right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So, for, so for me, I think I think there's a lot to be said for there. The, I think it's more interesting that there's there's stuff that's not rubbing you the right way. Um, that could stem from a lot of, uh, you know, you've, you've quote unquote, you've read the hits, you know what I mean? Like this is, this is the kind of thing that, um, you know, for someone like me, when I heard like one of my chemical romances albums and I was just like, ah, wow, they, gee, they sure, liked listening to Queen for the three months before they <laughs> recorded this. And people were like, yeah, that's what's great about it. And I'm kind of like, but is it? You know, like, I I think that there's a lot to be said for the fact that, you know, you and I read the first 300 issues of Avengers. We read and adored Englehart's Avengers. And, you know, Aaron is writing something that is... I mean, not exactly like that, but, uh, you know, but has, I think, a lot of, like you said, it's like, there's a lot of like, here's the little guy and, you know, the the Avengers run that's sort of like, here's a book where you get to tell stories about the biggest heroes in the biggest situations and you also get to throw in your fan favorites and give them lots of cool moments that, that mean a lot to you. You know, for me, one of the things that's really weird about Aaron's Avengers run, the whole thing that's weird to me about Mephisto is 180 degrees away from yours, which is Aaron's first arc is more or less, you know, his retcon that I think is pretty interesting on the face of it is the idea that there was a diseased celestial you know, that was thrown to earth and more or less like, you know, was cosmically ill all over it. And essentially that disease that poured out of him is, is kind of the, 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 the loam from which everything weird about Marvel earth has grown. Right. And, and, so that's kind of a weird, like Kirby meets Lovecraft cosmic horror angle, mm-hmm. right? And I, I like that. I that that's something where I'm like, well, that's weird, but kind of great and kind of goofy and and kind of over the top and sort of like you know trying to mix again Kirby and Lovecraft. Once you throw in Mephisto in there, I don't see why that dude is in there. You know what I mean? Like, as far as I know, maybe there's some other point, but like Mephisto's obsession with Earth and the humans and the power and his takeover of reality so that he sends everything to hell, like, it just seems very, um, 
incongruent with the sort of strange cosmic space horror that's there. Well, it, it's such a weird add-on, right? Yeah, right. Like, you know? like here is here's the space god who comes down and vomits all over Earth, right? And creates uh, like corruption, mm-hmm. create creates bad things, mm-hmm. and then to be like, and then there was the demonic maggots who took advantage of it. Yes, right, right. Is, is this weird? Uh, kind of feels like it's kind of cheating. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you know what I mean? It feels like it's like oh, not really. Really, it's the devil. Well, right, exactly. Which again seems weirdly doesn't. It, on the one hand, part of me is it doesn't make a lot of sense. One thing that I like about Aaron generally, as as a guy who's kind of closer to my fanish interests. I feel like there's part of the Avengers feels like a big love letter to to Marvel's um, incongruity, you know, like the weird juxtaposition of it's a horror comic. It's a space comic. It's a, you know, the Avengers punching Egyptian mummies comic. And it's all this like. I'm doing it on a super broad scope, but a lot of also a lot of what he seems to be enjoying is how much um, he's juxtaposing these various tastes and ideas, you know, and um, and honestly, a lot of it isn't necessarily to my taste. Some of that is like I you know, having gotten in touch with myself of like, oh, I like, I like romance. I like, I like the soap opera. And there's, there's not a, a lot of the soap opera in the Avengers is pretty like, it's not as much romance and it's more like, Oh no, his dad is sold his soul to the devil, you know, kind of thing. Like it's, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's so it's not always to my taste, but I, if nothing else, I kind of enjoy for me. One thing that's been great is Aaron's Avengers book has been ridiculously self-contained for the most part. Like it's sort of, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I, and I, and I, I'm sure like, it's I, not. The, the Mephisto thing very much feels like it's leading up to a, of a course. Yeah. A big line wide event. It does, which is a shame, but it has been 38 issues of just story after story after story in a way. And also with things of like, well, you know, the earth has turned into Conchu's playground and there's seven moons in the sky. And it's, and it's kind of like, oh, it's a big story that feels like it could – every story feels like it could be a big event, essentially, for the Marvel Universe. And it's, it's which just is kind of, kind of stacking up those plates. Yeah, exactly. And it's that's kind of what, what you want. want for an Avengers book, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I think that there is – I think that's what um, – you know, I, so part of me is kind of weirdly – Jason Aaron's a really tough character for me because I like his writing, have never really pursued it with any depth or vigor, and I don't really necessarily know to what extent he is 
saying things that I'm interested in. It certainly sounds like as a fan, as a subscriber to Chad Nevitt's newsletter, that it seems like Aaron's run on Thor is the biggest, you know, statement. yeah, the biggest statement, certainly with his IP stuff. And it sounds like, how do I put it? It sort of seems like Aaron is always feels very craftsman like for me, like even something like Southern Bastards, which I enjoyed until it slowly disappeared off the radar had a lot of, I just, I just never, I never get any kind of feeling as to who Aaron is or what's important to him. Did you read, um, Scalped? I did not. And I, and everyone's like, dude, you got to read that. And I know that I should, and I've got the books. I just haven't, um, you know, I read like the first issue or first two or three issues a couple of times and it just, it seemed okay. It seemed okay. I just couldn't, for whatever reason, I couldn't find purchase in it, which is strange because, you know, I'm normally a big fan of crime noir. I was going to say, it feels very stuff. huge. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know why I can't find purchase in it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so I... I should try that. But even something like Southern Bastards, where he's like, yeah, I'm from the South and football and wild the South. And man, it's a it's a mean, tough area that can fuck you up. And I was like, sure, kind of. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I believe that you sort of can make the case for that. But yet, Jason Aaron seems like a real uh, enigma to me. Um, he doesn't, he seems very, very invested in trying to do the best version of what he's doing you know what i mean like and he's got things that he sort of likes in that but but i never walk out of it being like and it could just be that you know unlike grant morrison who will sit you down and tell you why this story is important to them and that's a new story we should talk about uh is that that Aaron never really is as far as I can tell, or at least maybe I never bothered to do the follow up is like, yeah, this is why this story is super important to me. And this story is super important. Like, like I had this weird moment where I was like, I don't, I don't know anything about Jason Aaron. And when I looked online, I'm like, I don't really get much of the sense that there's a lot out there. He's like, I've got a beard. I'm from the South. I write this comic. People might remember me when I was pissy about Alan Moore. And that's kind of it. Like, you know, so what am I trying to say? I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like the Avengers is, is, is a, is a good disposable comic. I read it. I enjoy it. There's always one or two things that kind of feel like, oh, you know, kind of like he's, he's, messing with continuity but you know i guess in a way there's there's part of me that's like aaron is kind of the writer that i sort of had hoped that bendis would be when bendis moved into the big pole position as marvel's most important writer and yet really yeah i think so i well i think so because honestly i feel i, I could be wrong on that i don't know 
Here's the thing for me, Jeff. Uh-huh. I think that Aaron is a solid writer. Yeah, he's there a solid writer. I really enjoyed. Yeah. There are ones that have left me cold. Right. Um, like his, his Wolverine the X-Men, I think, is great mm-hmm. and was fun in a way X-Men hadn't been for years and honestly hasn't really been since. Right. You know? Um, I think I think Scalped is fun. I, I, fun is a weird way of describing it, but again, it feels um, it feels like what you expect a pulp book with that concept to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's Aaron's strength. Yes, exactly. I think he writes. I think I, I'm not sure how. And Southern Bastards actually is, is true as well. I think that's a fun book mm-hmm. that is exactly what you want it to be from that concept. Yes. And I think that's what Aaron does. I exactly. think he writes right to the brief. Yeah. You yeah. know, and he does it competently, and he does it well, and he mm-hmm. does it professionally. Right. Um, and I think that one of the problems with something like Avengers is that I just don't like the brief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, but I find because he does write the brief, because he does—I mean, literally, his writing does what you what it says it does on the tin. That's you right. know. Mm-hmm. I find him kind of a a, a strange choice to be the, the lead writer for for the universe because I don't think he ever really like surprises like he feels incredibly safe Mm -hmm. if you're going to if you want someone to be in charge of the avengers and to you know fulfill the again fulfill the brief but leave everything in in fine shape for the next writer right jason aaron's gonna do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know like and honestly his thor run is that his thor run literally like you know, you go through Jane Foster, you go through Thor being unworthy, blah blah blah, and at the end it's like, and Thor is basically like defaulted. You know, we've made cosmetic changes, but they are cosmetic changes. There's a cosmetic that Donny Cates' first fucking issue of Thor undust them. You know, like in an issue, mm-hmm. um, basically by being like, oh no, no, he's fine because <laughs> he wants to be the god power. Right. Um, and so the idea of like you know this is the guy who who you put in charge, it feels like a really safe choice, and because that feels kind of like a boring choice. Well, uh, yeah, but how do I put it? I'm I I absolutely one hundred percent. Well, I don't know about a hundred percent, but I mostly agree with you. I just I'm well aware that, for example. Uh, thanks to the miracle of Hoopla, I read the first Legion of Superheroes trade with just jaw-droppingly beautiful art by Ryan Souk and written by Brian Michael Bendis. Also has that that two-part Millennium thing, uh, and and it is it's kind of a bag of uh, enjoyable disappointment. You know, like it's kind of like oh, this is fun. That's clever. Oh, this sucks. Wow, how's this going to pan out? Oh, it's really not, is it? Like, there's a there's, and that is oh, it's it, it's it's an impressive uh, array. And I say this to somebody who likes the book. It's an impressive array of throwing a lot of balls in the air, yeah. and some get caught, some don't, some just fucking disappear. Yeah, right. So, I mean, there's just a lot that's there that is so, um. You know, it's just, it's just Bendis. Like, 
I enjoy him on a page by page basis. And then by and large, the stories that he's telling, I think just tend to kind of suck. But as a result of that, I feel that I'm a little more inclined to be down with the, you know, with Jason Aaron's being the Len Wen to uh, Len Wein to, to Bendis's Jerry Conway. Um, and that's probably just where I'm at. Whereas, you know, back when I was a kid, like Conway was the interesting one. And Ween was the guy that was, like you said, competent, but dull for the most part for me. There were never any but, but surprises. Do you, want the, do you want the dull guys to be the guy? I mean, the publishers want the dull guys to be the ones in charge of the big books, right? They, they just want because whoever sure. sells, they're, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. Yeah. But also like they're not going to break the toys. Right. You know well, I mean? but I don't think that Bendis really. Do you think Bendis broke the toys? I mean, you know, I think that Bendis is more likely to break the toys because uh, this is going to sound terrible because he gets bored and forgets stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, he moves on quickly. Mm-hmm. I, ironically, for you know, for someone with such a reputation as he has, but he does. Mm-hmm. He 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 can sort of uh, accidentally forgetfully ruin things mm-hmm. not even ruin things but like fuck up the status quo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because he just is like oh no I, I forgot I had moved on to this this next big you know exciting thing that I'm doing and they're like but all it is is like two people grimacing each other and talking a lot and he's like yeah but it's so exciting <laughs> you know um, whereas Aaron I think is uh, Bendis is Bendis is wildly inconsistent. You're not wrong, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I I think I get more out of his stuff than you do, mm-hmm. which is funny. I would say like you know ten years ago that was that was wild, wildly flipped, mm-hmm. um, but I th- I don't think you're wrong. I think Bendis works better in small pieces, and then when you look at the big pieces, you're like, well, nothing happened. Yeah, exactly. You know, like we I don't know where that what the point of that story is. Like we're nearing the end of his Superman run and I still don't really know what the Invisible Mafia was about other than coming up with the phrase Invisible Mafia and then doing nothing with it. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I still like that's that feels more interesting to me still than Aaron. Mhm. Like if uh you know, we've we've joked about that Hickman like writes comics by graph, mm-hmm. and I think Aaron writes comics by checklist. Yeah, no, I get that. I to- and I do. I get the the I get the argument being made, and I think that I would um, I co-sign on it to an extent. I think that how do I put it? I just ultimately find that for Bendis, I will. It's a Neither of them are altogether satisfying, but I think I prefer the disappointment of Aaron currently these days over Bendis, or at least to the point where I'm willing to pay for it. Whereas Bendis, I'm just going to wait and and read the trades and then swear up a blue streak about it, you know? Um, Although I keep telling myself I'm going to stop. And I feel like after reading that Legion... But again, then you have like Hoopla and literally it costs you no money. It only costs you time. And it's very easy to read that stuff when it costs you no money. Well, yeah, definitely. And I mean, Bendis' stuff reads super quickly. Like, oh man, he did something in one of these. I think it might have been toward the, God, I don't remember which issue of Legion of Superheroes it was. It was probably all of them where he suddenly switched to 
um, like four double page spreads, you know, with like lots of panels on it, as of course Bendis does. But I'm just like, this is just eating up real estate. Like there's nothing that's going to happen. And you just burn through like literally a third of your comic. You know, I enjoy it because I can turn my iPad sideways and I don't have to flip it back over for the next couple of pages. I always like that feeling. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, you just you burned up a lot of real estate for for no good reason. So all of which is to say, but you're right. It reads quickly and well. And when it's free, you're like, eh, you know, Aaron, I'm still willing to pay money for the Avengers. But I'm also I'm also paying money for the fucking savage avengers which finally came back and i'm like oh boy i'm glad that this is back even though that is even more ridiculous i mean if it makes you feel better graham they had the first volume of strike force which you have mocked roundly ever since it was announced uh was on... wait, wait, I, i'd like to say having read strike force i was right Oh, having read Strike Force, I agree with you because it was like it was <clears throat> the first trade was on sale for two dollars and fifty four cents, and I'm like, okay, all two dollars fifty four cents for five or six issues. I like a lot of these characters, and then I read that, and I was like, ah, oh, ooh, wow, they, mm, okay, you know, which was basically the it. It's nice to know there's some level of C-list character grift from Marvel that I just cannot stay on board with. Yeah, and that one was one where, I mean, part of me is like, ah, man, I remember back in the 70s, Marvel just cranked out team books where they just threw people into a list at random and you had to see how they got exactly as a dude who owned every, every fucking issue of Champions and loved it. I do love something where it's like the Defenders, the classic team of characters who have no idea why they're in a super team. Like, they become practically, you know, the standard bearers to some of the most absurd, ridiculous, lasted 18 months or two issues like the Champions. So Strike Force, I'm like, sure. Angela, Blade, the Winter Soldier, looks like Son of Satan's in there. You know, I don't even remember who else is in it. I'm like, this will be uh, great. Uh, Wiccan from Young Avengers. Oh, right. Wiccan from Young Avengers, which, again, weird choice. And Spider-Woman? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, Spider-Woman, exactly, where she has lots of lines of like, oh, I got a kid to get back to. Just kidding. You know, like kind of it just there was a lot of it was I mean, part of that could just be the creator. I forget who that was. Was that Teeny Howard? It's Teeny Howard. Yeah, I was like, I, I was just, I was just very underwhelmed. I was really underwhelmed. Um, you know, whereas Savage Avengers is like, oh, but it's Conan, and he says, you know, the only person you can really get along with is Doctor Doom. I'm like, I'm on this book. I would love this book. I'm getting, I'm getting this issue tattooed on my chest. You know, like I'm clearly an idiot is what I'm trying to say, Graham, with absolutely no taste. And, uh, and it seems weird. I will, won't really get much of a chance this episode to, to talk about some of the stuff that I have read. And that's fine. Um, because we're talking about Jason Aaron, I sort of respect the <laughs> fact that Jason Aaron is writing the sort of comics that I think 
if nothing else, I feel like he is writing a lot of the comics that he wants to read. And I'm I'm mostly you're, pretty you're, down with that. You know? I was going to say, because I feel like the comics he wants to read are the comics you want to read. I feel like he has a very similar reading right. list to you. Exactly. Exactly. He's not really doing anything super interesting with that list in a lot of ways but in a lot of ways i kind of don't you don't I'm, need him to yeah, i don't need him to i'm, I'm kind of like it's fine like it's not it's not i would be really i'm you know we're gonna come up in just a horrifically short amount of time uh i'm trying to come up with best of year lists and i'm pretty... oh i was thinking about that this week and i was like i don't even fucking know what came out this year right exactly i'm totally i'm just i've had the default to the it's going to be my favorites of what i read you know and and god only knows like the 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 ridiculous amounts of incredibly worthy stuff that i never cracked open or looked at but that being said i kind of like to me there's a little bit and this is I, I swear, every time that I compare Jason Aaron's stuff to stuff you like, you go ballistic. But <laughs> trust me, I'm trying to go ballistic. Yeah, you dial this down appropriately. Uh, Wagner and Grant's Judge Dread when it's just good comics, not absolutely sublime, but is like cranking out something week like, after week when they're literally just like making the deadlines yeah well i mean because they make deadlines with they make it look easy not everyone yeah. and that's kind of what i'm saying about teeny howard and even to an extent jerry dugan on on savage avengers it's not easy to make a satisfying superhero team comic book probably ever or especially these days for a variety of reasons and i feel that aaron's is satisfying in a way that would never make my best of the year list ever you know um i think it's just something that that i enjoy that is not a, that is okay kind of the way that parts of tom king's batman at his best, got to the point of, well, I'm not kicking myself for having paid money and read that. You know? <laughs> like, that's kind that of... That was the best. I love that the best of Tom King's Batman. I Seriously, correct me if I'm wrong, you read for 85 issues. You read the entire thing. Yeah, I did. Yep. The so, best of it was, well, I don't regret paying money for it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, they're, 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 I mean, some of the stuff that I liked the most, I think, was buried in the midst of stuff that people absolutely hated like well okay so i like king's i thought king's annuals like two and maybe three were good you know the selena bruce future issue was was yeah. good um i liked the the all the sort of the batman looney tunes stuff whether that's batman omer fudd and running up to the dream episode that's yeah. basically a roadrunner cartoon uh there's assorted issues like I think the issue where both the Joker and Catwoman are lying there semi paralyzed. Um, yeah, just for the wedding. Yeah, yeah, for the wedding and and basically talking to one another. Um, you know, I, the double date issue, like a lot of the throwaway stuff in Tom King's Batman stuff. I was like, yeah, this is good. I'm glad I, you know, I I don't feel dumb for having paid money and reading it 
I'm not going to turn around and say like, this is the, you know, like my list of favorite Batman stories. I don't know if any of it's, those. It's not going to include any Tom King stories. Exactly. Exactly. But in terms of like issues that I, you know, will remember fondly, I think, I think there's, you know, there's a handful of them out of the 85 and they always seem to come around more or less often enough that I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not giving up on this yet. And I think there was even maybe during the Joker Riddler war where I was like, Oh, okay. You know, this is going to be good. Like, I think, I think he's finally, he knows what he's doing here. And then it was like, and then, and then like 60 no. issues later, you're like, no, nah, I didn't. <laughs> it didn't take me 60 issues. It took you 60 issues. <laughs> no, but no, but like you stayed on to the end is my point. Oh, I stayed on like, to Joker, the end. Joker Riddler War was like 25 or something. Uh, yes, exactly. And then you stayed on to 85. Yes. Yeah, no, I stayed on till 85 and, and you and I had, you listened to some massive me bitching about it until you couldn't yes. stand it anymore. Like multiple times up until issue eighty five. So yes, no, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is like you kept on it. I think that's a service, like a level of dedication, which is bordering on the insane, <laughs> but also should be admired. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, what a fitting epitaph for superhero comics. You know? I, I, you know, the sad thing, genuinely, and we're getting completely off topic now. I kind of am sad that you gave up Batman after King because I think that you dig the um, James Tynan stuff so much more than you, you dug King. You know what's interesting? But but also, I think the Tynan stuff is, uh, again, writing to the brief and like completely unsurprising. And, and you know, the quote-unquote daring stuff is, is very not daring. Right, right. Uh, I... It's enjoyable, but it's, it's not like King for all like for all his faults on batman i think was trying to do something different mm-hmm. and i think the one of the reasons that tynan is being so lauded is that he really isn't yeah well you know he's, he's giving you batman superhero comics yeah and he's like and look it's a joker story can you imagine it's the joker and here's all the big characters that you know, and here's new ones who appear for like two seconds and say things like, oh, you didn't save my family, did you, Batman? But then it's the fucking Penguin, you know? And I I think I think King was, uh, I was going to say ambitious, question mark, uh, in, a, in a different way. <laughs> well, so interestingly enough, thanks to the miracle of Hoopla, I am... Of course, first volume's out. Yeah, first volume's out, and I made it one issue and two epilogues into it. And it's fine. I may tap out. Like, I am kind of had that thing of... You know, is pro- three Jokers aside, it was probably good for me to be on a bit of a bat break. Um, and coming back to this, even with some lovely Tony Daniel art, I'm kind of like, part of me sort of wants to reread Morrison's Batman. And you're like, I, there's other stuff I want to read first. Well, yeah. Uh, so, I, so we'll see. It's Tinian. It's Tony Daniel. There were parts where I was like, oh, this is, that looks pretty, or this seems cheesy or, but ultimately I just, I, I think what i uh one of the things i appreciated about king's ambition is pretty much he i felt like he just drove everything into the ground 
And so by the end of it, I, I really was. I was like, I can, I'm looking forward to not buying Batman for a little bit. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to take, yeah, being on a bat break. I'm sure I'll come back because I do. And it's, you know, as we talked about on the time, it was a pretty ridiculously long run of me buying Batman, you know, because I started up around, I had always bought throughout my life, but I think I consistently had every issue from Hush all the way through the end of King, you know? Yeah, which is amazing. For that's the Batman like title. 15 years of Batman. Yeah. So, so that's kind of, so it's not a bad time to really take a break. I look at what Tinian's doing and it's, it's sort of, um, you know, the three jokers, the first issue, three jokers was ridiculously disappointing on it, on the returns. The first issue of three jokers was so ridiculously bad, um, but satisfying that part of me was kind of like, I found myself kind of relieved that it kind of couldn't keep to those trashy heights. And when I look at Tinian's work, I'm just kind of like, eh, this is, you know, this this wants to be Three Jokers. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what's, what's really funny is I'm literally going, oh, that's right, Tony Daniel did it. Because, yeah. like, there's been 20 odd issues of Tinian by now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, twice monthly. Lot. Right. Wow. That's um, like because you 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 get that, which is because that's his dark designs is the first storyline. right? Yes. Yep. So you've got that, and then that leads into the Joker War, I think. Question yeah. mark. Right. Um, yeah, and that, yeah. So it, like three months ago, sorry. I, the reason why I'm interrupting is three months ago. I think maybe it was longer, maybe it was shorter. But essentially, you and I were talking off air, and I was like, "So what the hell is he doing in Batman anyway?" And you essentially described all of the runs there, the, like all of yeah. his story arcs, and also because you had some ideas of where it was going to go and why. And so you kind of laid it all out, and I was like, huh. And I have to say, Graham, reading the, the first issue of Their Dark Materials or whatever, uh, Their Dark Matters, I was like, yeah, um, this is exactly what I imagined it would be having Graham describe it to me over the phone. Like, <laughs> and, and and I wish that I could say that that is a super strong tribute to you as a, uh, an oral storyteller it it's not no no i mean it kind of is maybe because you did hit all of the points and you being you being graham the graham version of it is always a little cheeky it's always a lot of like her now i am i am the worst man you've ever seen Grr, look at me i'm a bastard you know kind of that sort of fun delightful kind of way that every story that you recap generally sounds like a popeye cartoon um, not necessarily in the voices that you do, but every super, You're, every big bad am, in every story you tell. As win, to be perfectly honest. You should, you absolutely should. But yes, you should, you should be writing Popeye because literally it does not matter. It could be the Joker. It could be uh dark side. They all end up sounding like Bluto. You know, it's like, Oh, come here, squirt. Arr, I'm taking over the earth. Oh. 
you know, kind of like it's one of the things I love about your storytelling. But all of which is to say it's not wrong because you usually do that to, to as a sort of shorthand of like, yeah, whatever. It's not especially convincing, but it is, you know, but it tries really hard. And that's I mean, that was it. When I started reading Batman, it's just there's always it always Tinian's Batman, unlike Justice League Dark, where I read the first arc of it, at least that kind of felt like it didn't it didn't it didn't feel like it was trying too hard. He felt actually, I think Tinian seems a guy who sort of the same way it makes sense it's Scott Snyder's disciple. They both kind of came to superhero work via a strong interest in horror, I would say. And so when I read Tinian's horror work, it makes a lot more sense to me. Uh, it, it always feels a lot more assured than his flat-out superhero work, which always feels like it's straining a little bit. Oh, I'm, I'm curious. Did you read... Uh the end of Snyder's Justice League, which by the end of it is pretty much Snyder and Tinian's Justice League. Uh, no. Uh, I'm curious what you'd make of that because mm -hmm. Tinian does a lot of like the mythology heavy lifting towards the end. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just when you said that thing about him straining in superhero, I'm, I'm like, huh, I kind of want you to read that and, and tell me what you think. Right. Huh. Well, I... We'll see. I have to say but, there... But also part of me is like, I also don't want to wish that on you because... <laughs> well, no, because I, I... And I've said this more than once in this podcast. Mm -hmm. It's an incredibly frustrating experience because it's a storyline with a cliffhanger that goes nowhere. Right. Right. Well, you've said that, but also even I think... Excuse me. For me, there's a lot of if death metal was super awesome, like I'd probably get super excited and go back and read it. Maybe, but the fact I mean, that maybe, I've said it before about metal, like metal read much better in collection right. mm -hmm. and maybe death metal will as well, but like halfway through death metal, it's not good, Jeff. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, but, yeah. but, but my frustration with, with justice league is right. like, it literally ends on a cliffhanger that you think is leading to death metal and isn't. Wow. That's just <laughs> like, crazy. just isn't. Mm. That's insane. So, yeah, it, it 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 like and it's and it's actually a cliffhanger. Like Perpetua takes over the world, right? And Justice League are like, well, like we've we've got to you know we've got to come back somehow. And then the you know the the not Cosmic Tribunal, what they called like the collection of of Deus Ex Machina characters, like High Father and the Guardian of the Universe and everything, right? Say no you must go through this door and through this door you will you will have an adventure that will change everything and that goes nowhere literally goes nowhere has it just gone nowhere yet i mean no it goes that... nowhere literally it's it's because you've read the start of death metal yes you? right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it goes from that to start of death metal right well but death metal is like 20 years in the future or however many no, years it is right no death metal is like maybe a month or so in the future oh is it oh okay yes and you have wonder woman saying in issue one of death metal we went through that door and then basically we didn't go anywhere and then this happened oh wow huh and it's like what what was the point in that cliffhanger then 
was it do you think it was one of those things where they'd origin I mean I have I, I have no idea like I, I genuinely don't know mm-hmm. because it it I mean it literally makes no sense to me do you think it, they it, were it expected the to vamp further and then were told to stop vamping and get right into death metal but they had been told the level of disconnect is the same as between Countdown to Final Crisis and Final Crisis, except Justice League and Death Metal are written by the by same, same people. Yeah, which is amazing to me. Yeah, that is when you say that, I'm like, fuck that. What the uh, fuck is yeah, happening? It's weird. It's really strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there was meant to be a story, be- a story between the two, mm-hmm. but it literally goes from. Perpetua wins, and they're all – they go through – like, they literally go through a door. Right. And, and the, the godlike characters are like, through this door, you have a quest <laughs> to Death Metal 1, where Perpetua is like, destroyed half of the multiverse. Right. And Wonder Woman in a – like, Superman's on, like, New Apocalypse, mm-hmm. and Batman hiding, and the rest of the Justice League are all everywhere. So Wonder Woman's, like, working in a forge – and then when Wally West shows up, she's like, yes, we went through there, but then we discovered crisis energy, and then we discovered anti-crisis energy. And, and you're like, why is all of this an exposition, and what happened to that cliffhanger? Right. Like, literally, that that literally went nowhere. Now, isn't there, like, a Justice League one-shot that ties into metal that's coming out soon, or uh, did I hallucinate there, there that? like, seven million one shots <laughs> uh, there's, just, there's there's our serial running in justice league right now which has nothing to, to do with that mm. hmm. Hmm. Huh. okay um yeah maybe that's what i'm thinking of well uh yeah that's i mean yes what a huge mess but all of which is to say uh tinian for whatever reason reading his batman stuff i just i felt the strain it felt like it was as is frequently the case with batman comics trying too hard to kind of be like everything is gritty and crime and rough and tough and ah and oh it's like everything is different right well i mean you know the the thing that i thought was really hilarious was that there's um because it's been so long since the since i since King's wrap up and me reading this first thing is there's a point where Lucius Fox is there and I'm like, Oh, right. Cause Alfred's dead. Right. Uh, did they just, cause I'm, I'm kind of like, You're like did, did they just stick with that? They did. And that's actually a big part of, of, uh, well, not a big part. It plays heavily into Joker war. I would think the, yeah. The, the idea of that that Alfred's not dead. Do they bring him back as the outsider? No, the, no, the idea that Alfred is dead. Oh, is dead. Okay, that makes the sense. Idea Alfred, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the idea that like yeah things are different now. Right. And one of those things that is different is Alfred being dead. Well, it and and there is a little bit of that in the first issue. Um, but it is, and it's kind of like, oh, and there's Lucius, and I was I was like, oh, like it was the only part that kind of struck me as not being overplayed um, almost because it was like, did Tineen not get the memo and he just had to rewrite a couple of these things and they redrew a couple of pages to put Lucius in Alfred's place? Like it was just very odd to me, but I, like you said, I'm sure it's a big thing going forward. And there was a little bit, cause the first issue is all Tinian slash Batman talking about, you know, 
all the possible Gothams that he used to design as a kid and Alfred sitting down and saying like, why don't you put the costume aside and try and spend your time to build the Gotham that, that should be. And, and Batman being like, I could, I can't do that. And at the end of the first issue is, you know, the, and then Alfred said to me, you're the Batman. If you can't do it, who can? And it was kind of, I'm like, "Mm, okay, I'll come back to this later. And uh, it, which isn't terrible, you know, like there's a little bit of it, but it's, it, it was so, I don't know. I got it. I, mm, 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 mm. it's so it's comic books. They give you a rash is I think what we should conclude from this particular episode. It's a rash that leads to itching. And sometimes you're just like, I don't want to go back to that thing. Cause I'm tired of scratching that itch. Other times, it's so pleasurable and enjoyable that you're like, yeah, I'm just going to keep scratching this itch because A, it feels good when I stop, or B, it feels really good when I finally start itching that itch after a while. Um, And that itch has nothing to really do in any meaningful way with where we are as a country, and that's that, that makes me worried and curious where it's going to go from there. The big wrap up. Hooray. That's that's skillfully done, Jeff. Thank, thank you, thank I, you. I, I do feel like we should stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you wrapped it all up so well. Well, thank you, thank you. Maybe we should because it's been about two hours. Um, why don't I jump and uh, call you back in two minutes and we'll close it down? What do you think? I mean, yes, oh. I'm. I mean, I'm not joking. I'm in awe. <laughs> I'm like, you just went there. You're like, listen, I'm going to wrap all of this up. We talked for like 45 minutes about politics, and I'm just going to wrap all of it up right now. Done. Bam. <laughs> That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a podcast professional at, <laughs> at work. I want all of you to marvel at Jeff's ability to even remember what we were, we were talking about an hour and a half ago. Oh, thank you. And then bring it all together. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're in the presence of a master, and that master is not me. Oh. Well, uh, I mean, you say that, but frankly, I would think that a master would have left enough room that we could have talked about like certain news, like, hey, Grant Morrison out as non-binary, okay. right? Let, let's, do, let's do this very quickly. Yeah. Uh, the Grant Morrison non-binary thing, uh, I'm happy for them. Yes. But at the same time, I'm utterly unsurprised. <laughs> Well, yeah, right? Like, I feel like Grant has spoken before about, like, all those experiences. Like, if, did, uh, didn't they say that the uh, uh, Fanny in, in The Invisibles was actually based on their personal experience? Like, I, it, it, it was treated like it was news, and I felt like it wasn't news, for want of a better way of putting it. You know, I, I know what you mean. I felt that uh, it... it it felt like, and this will be appreciated for people who uh, all the all the right imagery for perhaps all the wrong reasons. It felt like a reverse Bowie, if you know what I'm saying. Like the way that Bowie came out early in his career and then more or less had to um, either put up with or put a certain amount of time into suggesting that it was just a pose, I suppose, you know, and then later being very frustrated with that because, you know, as he put it, America just can't understand bisexuals. Um, 
Morrison felt the reverse for me because really super early on he is you know make is he presenting photos of himself in drag and you know kind of like oh we're all just you know flesh in the dark or whatever and and yet it was in that same sort of way like the summer offensive it 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 felt like he's he was it felt like it was a it was a, it the felt like it was a post a, a, a incarnation yes yeah and which, which which to be fair to uh, everyone with the exception of Grant there was very much how Grant was presenting themselves publicly at the time. Right. Like was even talking about how they'd go through phases. Yeah. And how they would manipulate their, their media image. Right. And that and that part of them manip you know, there was a there was a whole thing where, you know, some very consistent ideas about pop, pop culture and 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 personality as construct. You know, but but with the idea of it all being kind of opposed and none of it should necessarily be taken too seriously. And so for them, they to then say recently, no, I, you know, I. A variety of things that to me didn't really kind of make a lot of sense in, in a way, because well, I mean, in their statement, they said something like, we had terms like genderqueer and non-binary back in the 90s, but... No, no, they, they were saying just the opposite. Oh, they were saying they? that they didn't have those those terms. Oh, okay, because I felt like they did but say that. And then I was like, I, what? It, then why didn't you come the, out the, then? The, the, oh. Basically, in the interview, they say they didn't have those terms, but that was their lived experience. I see. Okay. Right. So because it, right. it came up in the context of yeah. languages are evolving, and this is a good thing. Yes, that part I caught. We're talking about the the appreciating the granularity with which people can to talk about their experiences. I thought that that was actually quite great. All of which is to say, like you said, it felt um, very non surprising to me. It seemed very um, like people on twitter who were posting about it a lot of them seemed like it was incredibly validating for them to hear it so i think that's great um you know i just it 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 seemed uh very newsworthy uh and uh, i guess the thing is is i really want to view it with the utmost respect and sincerity which i find strangely hard to do given grant's history exactly exactly and literally so so See, I, because honestly for me it's like it doesn't it doesn't seem newsworthy mm-hmm. in part because i feel that grant didn't treat it as an announcement mm-hmm. as much as just like a statement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if they're just like, you know, this has always been my lived experience. That doesn't feel like it's a news story. And it feels like it's an odd thing for, for to see on like, it's presented as news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it, that feels weirdly voyeuristic. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I, I, and I, you know, I, I don't mean to step on the, the joy of anyone who read it and was like, oh my God, I see myself in this. Right. At all. That's, right. that's not my intent. 
Mm-hmm. But it's it feel part of me is just like it's it's like it's Grant's business, mm-hmm. you know, and people in Grant's life's business. Mm-hmm. But like for me, who's a fan of his books or their books, right? N- not really, right? You know, right? Yeah, no, I, I again, I, it's, I part of me is I, which I think is even more generous than me, where I'm trying not to be at that thing of like, yeah, let's see what he says in four years. And part of me is like, yeah, maybe I don't. The reading the statement seemed very. I think in part because it didn't like, seem like, as was news. There a statement? Like, was there a statement or was it an interview, like a section of interview that people kept excerpting? Right. That's true. I don't even know. I don't know. Because I think it was – I think it was. I have not seen a statement. Mm-hmm. I have only seen part of an interview that people pulled out and were like, look at this. Right. But, like, the interview was within a context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, so – and so that's, again, why it's like – because, again, if it's a statement, if it's an announcement, then it is a thing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, it feels like the, the equivalent of me saying, like, uh, you know, I had a hot dog for today for lunch in the middle of this two-hour-long podcast. And then for CBR to run a thing of being like, oh, my God, they had a hot dog. Well, honestly, a podcast is even less so. Like, you know what I mean? Because this is kind of a regular, ongoing thing. If you went on someone else's podcast and you were like... I had a hot dog and people were like, Oh sure, my but, God. But you know sure, what I'm, you know I'm just what I'm saying? saying like, like it, it feels like it's, it feels like it's, and again, this might just be me. It feels like it's this thing that's been taken, not even out of context that suggests that they didn't say what they said and they did, mm-hmm. but it feels like it's been turned into an announcement when it wasn't. Huh. I, it feels like it was a comment made in the middle of an interview and it wasn't even the purpose of the comment. Right. The purpose mm-hmm. of the comment was language evolves and that's a good thing because when language evolves it gives people the tools to describe their experience which didn't exist before. Like people now have this tool to describe what they are and I did not have this tool even though this is my lived experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The purpose of that therefore is the language, the tools, not his lived not their lived experience. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But then it gets turned into, Oh my god, did you hear what Grant Morrison said? Right. And it, it feels like it's, I don't know, it feels, like I said, voyeuristic and sensationalistic in a way that it feels unpleasant to be like, oh my god, it's a news story, because it doesn't feel like a news story. That's interesting. I I, I think that, um, <laughs> I think those are good points that make me feel like a bad person, uh, which would be a great idea. <laughs> I think... But again, uh, like I saw reported on numerous sites this week as oh, it yeah. was news. Right, 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 right. Well, I mean, but uh, and and as a news professional is, I think my point. I think you have a better sense of that kind of uh, nuance, I guess. Um, you know, whereas I'm kind of like eh, they, you know, they said it. It it wasn't. It wasn't like. This is something that they said in like a, a text message to someone else that sure. was screenshot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and leaked, they said it on a public you know? forum. Exactly, and in an interview. Yeah. So, it, so, so it is in theory, right? Yeah, it, in a public forum, it, it's like anything's fair game. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. I, I do. It's just that it felt like I don't know. It felt like this thing that was down to the people involved and and their 
their friends mm-hmm. and was turned into an announcement when I don't think it was actually intended as an announcement. Mm-hmm. And that felt, I don't know, un- unnecessary or, or, or unpleasant to me. No, right. It, and it, do you think that's also tied into because it was relatively personal stuff about <clears throat> someone's lived experience as opposed to if he was saying like, uh, I'm writing Hawkman that he said in the middle, you know, and, and suddenly <laughs> that becomes like yeah, a scoop. Because, because that feels like, yeah, because honestly one is your life and one is your job, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Um, and also I'm writing Hawkman is something that has to do with other people because they will be buying Hawkman mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm non-binary, mm-hmm. which like that means nothing to anyone who is not in their immediate circle. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, what does that mean? That doesn't change. That doesn't make me like hit the Green Lantern anymore. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't change how much I do like, um, yeah, multiversity. Right. Sure. Right. Except it does. Well, I mean, how do I put it? You could look at it a number of ways. Of course, there's the simplest way, simplest or most direct way, I should say, not the simplest, which is to say other non-binary people who have a lot of respect and admiration for Morrison, it can feel incredibly validating for themselves to be seen in that area. That's one way you might, I might turn around and sort of in the same way that the Wachowski's uh, transition totally puts the matrix into a whole new light. You could say that, what you know someone could sit down and say morrison come you know saying that he is non-binary totally puts uh his um he's essentially always been attracted to non-binary making his characters non-binary not in the sense of gender but literally in the sense of what universe they belong to right like there's... I feel that's a stretch. <laughs> well, no, I, well, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, if you're going to say, well, that changes the way that Morrison's, like, that changes the reading of Fanny in Invisibles, or that changes uh, some of the metaphor of coming out or of being other in New X Men. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I think when you're like, haha, non-binaries and they transition between two universes, that's when I'm going to look at you askance and be like, I mean, sure, history will prove me right and you very wrong. But because because it it is here's someone who grandma, they're literally saying they have no they don't feel like they have a fixed gender and their work is filled with people having like being the same but different across universes right like it's like superman is white here he's black there there's he's got an entire 
Earth that everyone is gender swapped that he lies out in the multiversity handbook, right? Like, yeah, but then does nothing with. Well, right? but but uh, I, I like I understand what you're saying. I just think it's a stretch. Well, I I get that you think that it's a stretch. Uh, I and I'm I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying that it could be a way for people to re look at the work and and it could in the same way that we've talked about Morrison who has had a belief in the idea of the pop, the pose, and and essentially the idea of identity as a construct. Um, you know, the idea that they are non-binary is, or is, or, or are talking about themselves and out as non-binary um, could put a deeper underpinning and resonance as to why they believe that identity is a construct or why they believe that who we are is always simultaneously the same, but different, no matter what context you put them in. Right. So, I'm just saying I think that there are ways in which um for myself the 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 ongoing interest at a certain point is the mythology of the creators and the creation is something that comic books particularly superheroes and particularly IP owned superheroes can be a real fascinating comparison and contrast to because there is a way in which um, for regular readers of literature trying to figure out who Melville is through the lens of Moby Dick or trying to figure out what Moby Dick means through the lens of trying to understand Melville's life becomes a little easier or at least a lot more tantalizing when it's separated the creator and the creation are separated even further and you've got you know scottish guy born in the 60s doing a huge run on you know american superhero created by bob kane in the 30s you know it it can say something about who who Batman is to Morrison, who Batman is to me from how I react to Morrison's Batman. And it might say something about who Batman is to, you know, Morrison. And I think that those are all, to me, that's part of the spice that sort of keeps this stuff interesting, even long after the point that I should have really gotten a job, as my dad would say. Your ending there disarmed me, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to say, yes, you're right. Well, that's very, I'm glad I disarmed you to that point. I mean, I'm more than, the great thing is I'm relatively sure that we'll get a chance to come come back to this. Well, I mean, the the other thing is like, you're right. You are right. Mm -hmm. It's just that you're... uh, your choice of, well, it puts this element in a new light feels like a stretch to me. But your greater point is mm-hmm. entirely correct. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with your greater point. Right. So, which all of which is to say, yes, it's fine if it's a stretch. It's just something that, that I hadn't given any thought to and just 
sprang out of my mouth and part of me is like yes let's make a case for this now but, well, but I mean, also like it's yeah. uh, just because it's a stretch for me it doesn't mean a stretch for anyone else right somebody else you know? might be like oh yeah no i really see that and part of me is kind of as i'm saying it, i'm like really grand you still can't yeah like, exactly you're like you know. really because as i'm making this like as i'm literally making up this argument i'm getting convinced by my own argument <laughs> yes like, i could hear that happen i could hear it happen in your voice yeah absolutely i, you're like, I yeah. shit i might actually be onto something exactly i'm like yes yes <laughs> <laughs> the Jeff Lester story. Shit, I might actually be onto something. Uh, so I think maybe that's the point where we close this down. Unless there's other comics, other news, other other. I mean, that, oh, I mean, there was Marvel layoffs yesterday. Oh shit, I missed that. Really? Yeah. Um. The, the it's one of those things where there were Marvel layoffs, and I was going to say it wasn't people you know, but at the same time. The publisher of Marvel Comics was laid off yesterday. Oh, what, Dan, what's his name? No, no, he's he's the president. John Nee, who's been publisher for a couple of years. Oh, is right. Co- yeah, John Nee. Right. Wow, really? Wow. That's a shocker. And Right? Yeah. He, he'd been furloughed like, since March. Hmm. Um, wow. But yeah, he's, he's gone now. Hmm. Jeez. That's... Interesting. And I, I mean, the, yeah, I see. And I assume that it's remember when they had those round of layoffs that weren't really layoffs mm-hmm. way back when, you know, yeah. like I assume this is like the genuine thing. So, yeah, I, 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 I think there's this was like the well, no, we're now we're actually properly laying people off. Wow. Uh, one, but it's I it's I'm not sure who else was laid off. I know that their podcast producer was laid laid off as well. Hmm. But um, but beyond that, I don't know because they are. Excuse me, while I burp, um, they are being very, uh, very non-communicative about this. Hmm. It helps, however, that I say this. One of the reasons they were non-communicative was this sounds like a joke, and it's not. Marvel's entire email system was down yesterday. Really? Yeah. <laughs> huh. I wonder what happened. I, I'm like, it sounds like maybe one of the IT guys got laid off as well. Yeah. Maybe one of the IT guys was one of the people laid off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but that feels like something that, I don't know, maybe a story down the line or may not be, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. on the one hand, losing a publisher or even getting a new publisher generally changes the publishing priorities of a company. But on the other hand, Johnny's been furloughed for like the last six months. Right, right. You know, so what, what does that? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Who's been making those decisions during that time? Mm-hmm. Who will make those decisions now? We have no idea. Mm-hmm. Also, how much did Johnny actually do? Because mm-hmm. Marvel is incredibly um, overexact, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Like makes decisions at Marvel Publishing. Is it Joe Quesada? Is it C.B. Sabalski? Is it John Nee? Is it Dan Buckley? Mm-hmm. The answer is boof. Right. Yeah, who knows? Like to anyone outside Marvel, who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it's one of those things that might be a big story or might not be, and we won't be able to tell for a while. Yeah, probably. I think that's true. Huh. Interesting. I did not know this, Graham. Thank you. I, I appreciate the heads up. But yeah, that feels like a bigger story, or that's not true. Feels like a bigger story to come mm-hmm. than like. Do you know what I mean? Right. 
again, the Morrison thing feels like it's 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 something that matters to people who know Morrison, right? Uh, whereas the publisher of the biggest publishing company in the Western industry being laid off feels like a bigger deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so we'll see. We will see. Maybe Disney's just pissed that that Trump lost. Well, I mean, there's Disney, but there's also Promuter. I yeah, mean, but like you saw that Disney gave like $15 billion to the Trump campaign, right? No, I missed that, or, really. It, it must be over. It can't be $15 billion. Was it $15 million? They gave a lot of money. Yeah. Disney as a company gave a lot of money to, really? to Trump. That is shocking. Which honestly surprised me. Yeah, that surprises me as well, frankly. Uh, well, let's put it this way. It surprises me as well if it wasn't kind of a... Uh, Promoter as someone who owns a huge chunk of Disney stock, more or less demanding that it happen and it being done because of him. But I mean, you can't scapegoat that dude for everything. For all I know, Disney was like, we're really down with, you know, what Trump is selling. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Who um, really? Who could tell? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't. So, huh. Wow. Well, uh, believe me when I say disquieting. That is uh, that is that is a disquieting fun fact, a reverse flash fact. Oh shit! Has anyone actually had reverse flash facts in like a uh, flash story? Or, uh, like reverse, reverse flashes? Flash I don't. I think it would be. Well, it would they be lies? Yes, they would be lies. Yeah, yeah. Or 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 not facts at all. They would be like uh, like his sort of emotional his his worldview which would all be kind of cool uh, i don't think anyone's done that. that i think that you're in yeah there we go Woo-hoo! i was gonna say that i'm literally like josh williamson you missed a trick yeah right i can't believe that one got uh untouched that's uh, so but you know anyway graham are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna shut this mother down we should shut this mother down mm-hmm. uh i didn't even get a chance to say that i read uh fucking crossover by donny cates or for that matter, all of Donny Cates' Guardians of the Galaxy. Talk about things I've been catching up with at Marvel Unlimited. I, I, my reading habits have been weird this week. I'm putting it down to election anxiety. Um, there will be show notes for this podcast up on Wait What Podcasts uh, as you were listening, because Jeff is very good at that, whereas I am not. Uh, there is a Tumblr, waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram, instagram.com forward slash waitwhatpods. There is a Twitter account at waitwhatpodcasts. Jeff has a Twitter account at lazybasset at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. Jeff, what is your current Twitter name? Um, I think, isn't it ca- uh, Cautious Optimism? I'm, I'm looking Reserved... Uh, cautiously relieved yes cautiously with, relieved. with a picture of is that bruce lee that is bruce lee yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um before uh, when i was like nervous wreck and i had a picture of the tanuki um that we just got which was great uh yeah i was like okay well the election's over i've got to change it to something so cautiously relieved and and that was i don't know that's just such a great picture of bruce lee so um anyway uh that's jeff's twitter i'm graham m at g-r-a-e-m-e-m uh and we're a patreon supporter podcast which means jeff lester is about to sing in his melodious dulcet tones about the benefits of patreon take it away mr jeffrey lester (laughs) i wish you had told me that far enough in advance i i could have figured out some sort of song to riff on but i am i am just do it scat baby (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Right. Skippity dabbity booty bow. Patreon is the best. I skippity bow. You do. You're always down with my completely oh, lame, half assed uh, version of scatting. So. I don't, I don't know if you saw it, but um, Chloe and I were watching High Society this week. No. Uh, High Society, I love the film High Society. It's the remake of the Philadelphia story with um, Frank Sinatra and Grace Kelly and Bing Crosby. But Louis Armstrong and his band are in there as a sort of Greek chorus. And every single film should have had Louis Armstrong and his band as a Greek chorus. Absolutely. They they do the opening song. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the end of it, Louis Armstrong looks at the camera and he's like, start the story. And at the end of the film, he goes, end story. Yeah. <laughs> it's the greatest thing. <laughs> it is wonderful hearing about the stuff that makes you happy, Grant. It is. It is uh... Louis Armstrong always makes me happy. <laughs> Deeply. And High Society has a lot of Louis Armstrong. And also the song, Well Did You Ever, which is just amazing. Anyway, uh, away about Patreon, Jeff. I believe I have to come back to scat. Scooby-Doo-Wah! Supported by Patreon. Woo! Listeners! Wow! Energy! Yeah! Inspiration! Wow! Skibbity! Zip, 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 But also, Patreon listeners, hard-earned dosh, ash, 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 hard-earned dosh, and our gosh, 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 what's a gosh? Zabadoo, zoobity, zippity, zap, zap, doop, dip it up, doop, 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 domino, go, Franco, Empress, Andre, Queen of the Galaxy, yeah! Back to you, Grant. I can't believe you did all of it. <laughs> that's that's amazing. For people wondering what Jeff actually said, go and listen to another Wait What, because that was so perfect. <laughs> that's, that's that's all we needed. All, all we needed. <laughs> Everyone, uh, as I said before, as Jeff said, we are recording this on Saturday. It's been a weird day. It's been an emotional day for, for the world, it seems. Yes. Uh, and Jeff's getting the Patreon bit at the end. It's the final icing. Uh, sorry again for the burp. It's the final icing on the cake um, for for this this day and maybe for 2020. Uh, that, that's all I've got to say. Yes, except there's one more thing you have to say, Graham. Uh, I'm, the, we're back next week with the drop, and it's going to be Restricted Case Files Volume 3, which uh, you have is Restricted Case Files Volume 3, right? Uh, is it, we can it sort is? this out. Oh, yeah. oh, we'll sort it out. Oh, come back next week for a drug, everybody. Let's put it yeah, come way. back next week for a drug, and uh, we will a, be talking about politics less, probably. I mean, it's restricted files. It, we're probably going to be talking about how absolutely weirdly fill-in everything feels. Yes. Um, and then the week after that, we are doing a a. Actually, I have to look at the calendar because we're in November. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's yeah, we are. Point. Yeah, back. exactly. Um, yeah, so uh, next week is Drog, and then there's a wait what after that, and then we're off for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Anyway, next week, Drog, come back for that. We have been entertaining ourselves with no one else this week, so hopefully <laughs> you've enjoyed it as well. <laughs> Bye! There we go. Perfect. Perfect.